In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. In the time of censorship, non-compliance is key. From an undisclosed location in FEMA Region 10, it's your host, Joshua Michael. Welcome, folks. I'm Joshua Michael, Non-Compliant America. And sit back in your seats today because we have a jam-packed transmission going over all the things going on around the world. We now have Hezbollah, the leader, has threatened America. And they've essentially declared war on the U.S., which is further going to escalate this regional war and make it wider. It's going to give them a perfect excuse for all the plans that they've laid out, the CBDC programs, the assassination of Joe Biden, blaming it on Trump supporters, potentially the assassination of Trump, blaming it on Trump supporters, rolling it out to declare martial law to virtually the end goal is to suspend the oncoming election for 2024. And only you, as a listener, as the active service civilian, Getting involved, getting involved politically, speaking out, speaking your mind. Only we can restore the republic. You're listening to Noncompliant America, and welcome to today's transmission. Ten years ago, based on that intro of everything that I was talking about, you would say that I'm crazy. You would say, oh my gosh, there's no way that that's ever going to happen. There's no way that we will ever be in a state to where there's absolute pandemonium going on and they are pulling out every stop. And by they, I mean the arbiters of truth that are trying to capture your mind, capture your life, capture your future. That is the end goal, to get you to give up, to demoralize you, to desensitize you, more importantly, desensitize your children into becoming compliant and decadent and going right into this new global system, which will eventually lead to your extermination. That's the end goal. That's why they poison the water supply. That's why they poison the air supply. That's why they poison the food. That's why they take the nutrition out. That's why they're putting all of these experimental shots in everybody uh, without any recourse, without any oversight, with pure indemnification uh, from the law and have the liability protection to do so because we are in a completely captured state currently, and they are now making their move against the American people and the rest of the world. And the reason that they're doing that is because they cannot have any superpower, such as the United States at the time, uh, contend with the new world system that they are rolling out. Can we believe that? Can you believe that? This is on the airwaves right now, it's now in the forefront. You guys understand it. The Great Awakening is here. I'm going to play some clips from Elon Musk this week on Joe Rogan talking about the Great Awakening and how he's fighting for humanity. And he's fighting on behalf of humanity. There are so many fronts and so many layers and so many things that we can unpack just on that one segment alone. It can go so deep down the rabbit hole. Because it's so interesting, uh, it, there's, there's so many things, so many layers to Elon. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? A lot of people think he's a bad guy. A lot of people think he's great. 
A lot of people think he's doing good. But there's no doubt that what he's doing is damaging this new world system. So before we get into that, as you know, the head of Hezbollah has threatened the United States uh, for being terrorists around the world, for engaging and basically overseeing the entire war in Israel. We all knew that. We all know that. You know, now we have the new speaker, Mike Johnson, who's pledging to give Israel basically a blank check and anything, everything that they want, um, which is kind of interesting, right? Because first we were talking about Jim Jordan uh, getting in. Everybody was on board with that. And there were just a couple little outerlings, a couple votes away from getting him in. And then all of a sudden, boom, overnight, all of a sudden they voted in Mike Johnson. And so it's just really interesting. Now he's a huge advocate for Israel. They're giving him a blank check. They're creating all of these wars. The United States is. The United States has been an agitator around the world. And I, w I don't mean the United States as us, as good people, as regular American people. I mean the captured systems, the executive state, the deep state. They like these wars. They need these wars, especially with the oncoming economy collapsing. Depression level status, some of the top bankers have said, we are now in a depression level event is where the economy is at. Now we haven't seen it yet, we haven't fully experienced it, but we're starting to see remnants of that fall through, such as the pain at the pump with all of the raised gas prices. I saw it at 561 for diesel the other day. That's the highest I've seen it thus far here in Oregon. Right, but it's on average around five dollars. Groceries are through the roof, and if you haven't noticed, bags are getting smaller. Uh, things are getting smaller to to compensate for that same price thing. It's an illusion that these big corporations do to make you feel like you're still getting a good deal. You're never getting a good deal. They're just lessening their portions to you. To whereas most people now, Gen Zers especially. Uh, there was a report on it. They were talking about uh, they were just eating less. They're just buying less and eating less. And I think that's across the board. Uh, people are starting to do that. But now you're starting to see the importance of self-preservation and getting off the system as much as possible. By that, I mean getting your own water supply, finding alternative water supply. So you don't buy bottled water, right? And if you have city water, that's fine. You should still filter it. Uh, because it's really bad for you. Storable food is really important. Having some type of animals, chickens, uh, some type of farm, being able to not be completely dependent on the grocery stores. Because what does that mean? That means being completely dependent on the money supply, which means com being completely dependent on jobs as things are slowing down in the economy. It always slows down typically in the winter. But getting off of that system to where if you do have to go a couple weeks or if your pay does start to dip a little bit as your rents are getting raised 14% a year uh, in the state of Oregon, if you're renting, they have the ability to do that. And a lot of these landlords are doing that, not understanding that they're just cutting off their own feet, right? If you press and push people so much and you make it so impossible to live just because people are spending so much money on their rent, then you're going to make it impossible for them to afford to live there, which then in return, you're not going to have people living. And we're seeing that too. There's a shortage and there's a lot of occupancies happening in the rental market, in the multifamily world that I've seen. 
and there's a lot of open vacant places. Is that because people can't afford it? More than likely, yes. It's so expensive to rent these days. And the requirement is two and a half times your income, which on average, the rent's probably $1,800, two and a half times. You've got to make over five, $6,000 a month. Where if you're on minimum wage or even close to minimum wage, you're not making that. So how do you live? You got to get a roommate. You got to get supplemented, blah, 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 all this, all that. But so it's just big, complicated system, but we're seeing the chaos and the rollout of it. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about uh, this Hezbollah has basically declared war on the United States. And what does that mean for us here locally? But before we get into it, I want you to take a listen. We all must establish this fact. The United States is totally responsible for the war raging in Gaza against unarmed, defenseless people. It is the United States that vetoes condemnation of Israel in the Security Council. It's the United States that stands on the way of a ceasefire in Gaza. It is the United States proving once again as described by Khomeini, it is the greatest Satan, the great devil from Hiroshima to Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, Palestine. The United States must be held liable and then penalized for all what has been, what it has been perpetrating against our people and the peoples of the region. And there comes the decision by the Islamic resistance movement in Iraq to launch offenses against the American bases in Iraq and Syria. Considering that the United States is controlling the war in Gaza, and it is the United States that must pay the price for the crimes perpetrated by the Israelis in Gaza and by the Americans in Iraq and elsewhere. Okay, so we have that. Obviously, we all knew that was coming, right? There's been nothing but escalation in the war uh, over there and just agitation and consistency. But what's interesting, and, and what's interesting is that these guys are deeming us as being the bad guys. Now, that's pretty rich considering uh, how these guys live. Calling the United States evil, you know, is pretty rich. Now, I'm not talking about the average, you know, government official. I'm not talking about those people. But there are players at hand that control most of the United States tentacles that are acting on behalf of the United States and ill will and doing these things that are creating these conflicts. For example, it's still not even being talked about that much how Joe Biden literally gave Iran money and then they gave Israel money. And those are the two conflicting right now. I know you say, oh, well, it's Gaza and Israel. Well, it, it's, it is and it isn't. But we've been funding and giving them and throwing money at them, creating these agitations. What happens when you throw money at stuff? You, you get to buy ammo, supplies, food for armies. You get to clothe them, get them all the equipment that they need. And you can fund these groups 
to do and perform terrorist acts to further the agenda of the narrative of what the United States is wanting the narrative to be through their propaganda. Let me give you another example and we'll talk about it. So Laura Logan just came out with a short documentary. I'm going to post it in my thing about January 6th. So she, the, the, the first episode is called Fed Surrection versus Insurrection. And what's interesting is that they do a deep dive in this guy named Ray Epps, right? And everybody knows Ray Epps now um, because he was the guy that was pretty much the only guy on January 5th and January 6th uh, shouting for people to go in to the Capitol. And he always emphasizes going in to the Capitol. And we're going to play a short clip of her documentary uh, here on the next segment. But what's interesting is that he's not in jail. Meanwhile, there are people that didn't ask to go in the Capitol. There's people that didn't even go in to the Capitol at all that are still sitting in jail. So he's on video multiple times stating, stating this, yet he's not in jail. What does that mean? Right? Who was he working for? Now, there are sworn statements and sworn testimony stating that he does not work for any federal or government agency, and he wasn't there. Uh, for those reasons, which is interesting. And it could very well be true. He could be some subsidiary for some British intelligence agency or some subsidiary of, you know, some JSOC program or something like that. Uh, and, and so that could very well be where he's, 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 he's not lying, but he's kind of misguiding by omission, right? We're not asking the right direct question. The, the, the better question is, did anybody pay you to be there? Or does anybody, who do you working for? Like who is actually working for? We'll probably never find out, but it's interesting because he was the only one stating going into the Capitol. Now at the same time, he's not in prison, but the media has created the narrative based on the implant that they had within the groups, enticing the violence, enticing the uh, invasion inside of the Capitol to give them the cover and the agenda that they're looking for in their propaganda campaign. And the word insurrection is a key element to this whole question regarding the Trump court system and everything else. But you're listening to Occupying America. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, folks. Before we went to break, we were talking about the Fed surrection versus the insurrection and the way that these groups, media organizations collaborating with different government, subsidiaries, outside organizations, how they manipulate situations into getting the outcome that they want. And we're seeing it play out in various, various different elements across the world, across our life, and across the spectrum of media. And I was talking about Ray Epps in this new uh, Laura Logan documentary, which we're going to play a small clip of here in a minute, but how Ray Epps played an integral part in potentially motivating a bunch of people to go inside the Capitol during the January 6th uh, event. And I'm not going to call it an insurrection, and I'll tell you why because it wasn't an insurrection. If you look up the definition of an insurrection, it was the weakest, most just ridiculous, that's a, that's a ridiculous categorization 
to what actually happened. The fact and reality is, is it was a beautiful uh, gathering of a bunch of great American people that wanted to uh, do diligently, lawfully show their support for the incumbent president whom they voted for to show the world that there's no way that he did not lose the election. And it was to show Congress, hey, we support this guy. Let's do our due diligence to make sure all these discrepancies that are being reported in all of these different counties across the country, we want to look into that. Let's not certify this election yet. Let's do a 10-day review, which was the point, to do a 10-day review on the election process. And most people that were there were some of the greatest people in that, you know, it just a great group of people. They were peaceful. They were loving. They were singing. They were praying. All of these things were going on. And so it's interesting, right? Going back to, you know, Ray Epps is that why is he not in jail, right? Why is he not being arrested? He was on FBI's most wanted list on January 7th the day after, but then he was quietly removed. Then the New York Times came out with the piece and everything else. You ought to see the, the documentary. It's just 17 minutes. I highly suggest that you watch it. But what's interesting <clears throat> is that created by people going into the Capitol, that created the narrative for the media to start calling it the worst day since 9-11. It's worse than 9-11. It's worse than Pearl, Pearl Harbor, all of this stuff in which thousands and thousands of people died at each one of those events by real terrorist events. Yet they're saying that the insurrection was worse than that. And it's a threat to the democracy. Well, yeah, there were bad actors there. But also, there's an unlisted amount of federal uh, officers and um, agencies that were on the ground that day. And it's still yet to be disclosed how many actual officers and or operatives working for different agencies were there still yet to be disclosed they haven't disclosed that and so if you look at it the breach of the capitol was done prior to trump even speaking before he even got off stage before people even left they're saying this but why are they using the word insurrection why 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 do they call it an insurrection and for the past couple days i've been watching the trial go on the Trump trial of them trying to take him off the ballot of the 14th Amendment uh, challenge or the 13th or 14th Amendment, one of those, uh, challenging to for him to even be on the ballot. I'm watching this case. I'm watching the actual trial and you know what these attorneys are saying and how they're framing it and everything else. But one of the key features to this, and this is how you know this is a giant setup. This is how you know. Because... One of the key words to not allowing Trump to be on the ballot is that if he has engaged in some type of illicit insurrection activity, and it uses the specific word insurrection, well, and just, and, and just because the media calls it an insurrection, over and 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 over again still doesn't make it an insurrection. But 
Here's where it gets challenging. This is where things get really sophisticated. Is through the court of public opinion, people would still categorize January 6th as an insurrection. People will call it that now because it's been beat into their heads through the media that that's what it's called. That's what we're going to refer it to. I guarantee you, most of you guys never even heard the word insurrection prior to January 6th. You don't even know what an insurrection is. But it's in the legal terms of if a candidate acts, behaves, funds, supports anything else of somebody that's engaged in an insurrection or has been part of an insurrection against the government, therefore is not able to be on the ballot. And that's the basis of the argument. That's the reason they started calling it an insurrection, even though it wasn't an insurrection. That's why they've been calling it that since day one. It's because their long game is to use that through the court of public opinion, which the court of public opinion is the court system that we're in now, which then loops back to why I think Elon is playing such an integral role. And I'm going to get into that on the next segment. So through the court of public opinion, that's the fight we're in. That's modern warfare. They're not just assassinating people left and right. They're assassinating their character. And that's the whole premise of this entire battle and war that we're fighting is the battle for the hearts and minds of people, especially as people are waking up and getting out of their trance. They knew this was going to happen. That's what they knew was going to happen after they did the COVID scare, that it would wake people up. It woke up all the moms you know, taking back their kids in schools and vice versa. Everybody's exercising medical freedom more now than ever. Everybody's realizing that not just the COVID vaccine, but all vaccines are poisonous and they're hurting people. And there are safe vaccines out there. They're just not using them. And if they want to administer vaccines, vaccine groups, Big Pharma should not have immunity from law. They should be held liable. They shouldn't have liability protection. Okay, but think about this, folks. The court of public opinion is the key element to everything that we're seeing right now. And that's why you, as the individual, is the most important element of this fight. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the formal state of Oregon in Fila Region 10. It's your host, Joshua Michael. I put a spell on you. Oh, yes. Oh, the New World Order and the propaganda campaigns and everything else, they have put a spell on us. They put a spell on the American people. They convinced them that we're there fighting in Iraq for a good cause, and we need to root out the terrorists, the Taliban, our bad people, and they're doing all of these horrible things. The babies in incubators. The Osama bin Ladens. Who's directly connected to the Bush family. <laughs> you know, he was one of the cousins of the, probably the closest family in the Bushes for the oil business and the oil industry. But nobody wants to talk about that. That's not a big conspiracy. But let me ask you this. If you were to conduct a plan and create a boogeyman for the world, you'd want that boogeyman if he wasn't real, to be in the inner circle of the family. 
then you can keep that secret really tight and it never gets out. Then you get the trillion dollar 20 year war that you wanted and Halliburton makes record profits and all these uh, Lockheed Martin groups, military industrial complex funding gets a blank check to devout a war war on terror against the boogeyman. You see the scheme? Not saying that they aren't evil people. I'm not saying bad things aren't happening. I'm not saying they're not doing evil things. However, sometimes what you're told isn't always the case. Sometimes what you're told isn't always true. And sometimes we get led into paths and areas where the media wants to lead you, where they want to take you. So that's interesting, right? So all of that kind of tied in to fifth generational warfare using media and influence and influencers and all of these things to try to create a narrative and a perspective, a prospectus to let you come to your own conclusion or thinking that you're coming to your own conclusion when in reality you're being led. So I want to get into Elon Musk and talk about Elon Musk and why I think he plays an integral role. Okay. So here's an interesting question for you. And if somebody knows the answer to this or somebody can answer this, please write me jm at noncompliantamerica.com. That's jm at noncompliantamerica.com. And here's a question for you. What is the difference between NASA and Space Force? What's the difference? And then also, what's the difference between Air Force, NASA, and Space Force? What are the primary intricacies surrounding that? Okay? Because it's interesting to think about. Why did Trump create Space Force? And what was the value of that? Why didn't he just use NASA? It's already a huge, giant space program, right? Or is it? Or is it really a space program? Think about that. Not going to give you the answers. Just going to ask you to think about that. What's the difference between NASA and Space Force? And I'll tell you what my perspective is in just a minute. We're going to play just a couple quick bits of Elon Musk on Joe Rogan talking about the Great Awakening. Take a listen. No, I, I mean, all, all Twitter was basically an arm of the government. Yeah. Like Republicans were suppressed at 10 times the rate of Democrats. We shouldn't have a world government that we bow down to. There have been severe First Amendment violations by multiple government agencies, and there should be repercussions for that. Do you think that that's everywhere? Yes. Do you think that that's CNN? Do you think that that's the New York Times? Do you think that that's the Washington Post? It is weird the degree to which the media is in lockstep. Like, why is the media in lockstep? And why doesn't the media question the government? They used to. Right. Why don't they do that anymore? And, and Soros, I don't know. I mean, he had a very difficult upbringing. Um, and uh, I, in my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. 
Really? Yeah. I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and a bunch of other cities. So why would you do that? But once you get to sort of city and state district attorneys, um, the value of money is extremely good. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws. You just need to change how they're enforced. Did anybody from your factory die of COVID? Not that I'm aware of, no. There's people that stated an opinion in 2020, and they still are doing mental gymnastics to try to make it seem like that was the right choice. No, it was just a panic. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of deaths got ascribed to COVID that had nothing to do with COVID. There was this very bizarre narrative that you had to believe everything that the government was telling you. You had to believe everything the CDC was telling you. And that uh, even as it, time went on and we realized, hey, it looks like this came from a fucking lab. Like, uh, even as time went on, yeah. disputing that would get you banned, would get you kicked off of YouTube. Yeah. I think to this day, th there's certain things you're not allowed to say in regards to the vaccine on YouTube. Have you um, ever heard the theory that the entire modern art movement, like Jackson Pollock and the like, was a, a CIA psyop? Um. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to connect some dots here. Did you, did you catch that? of Elon talking about Twitter just being an arm of the government, right? So essentially the government was running your social media. And we've been talking about that a lot on the show, how, you know, we're all being put into these digital gulags. And now you're seeing the evolution of AI technology and AI playing an integral part of our daily lives. And since everybody's so addicted to social media, this is why I think it's dangerous, right? I, I, I don't think it does have value to a degree. It does inform people to a degree, but it also misinforms people a lot. And it leads people down these rabbit holes of obscure concepts and ideas and crazy things. And they basically are able to, it's a system that's able to interact with you to get all your likes and interests and habits and everything. So you are voluntarily engaging with a robot, which in return is being documented and captured into a database to where now you're having a digital footprint and a digital profile. Now, how does that play into all of this other stuff going on, right? So now they're introducing the AI system into these digital spaces, which there's an article that I want to talk about. Lars was talking about it a couple of days ago, but the secretary of state has secretly quietly rolled out a AI based program to contend against election misinformation, malinformation and disinformation. So now there's a robot in Oregon somewhere that's embedded into these social media things. This is why social media can be so dangerous. But more importantly, it's why it was created by the government. Yes, that's right, folks. The government created social media. They created social media because they couldn't stop us from having the in-person meetings and in-person conversations and one-on-one -on -one and group 
community projects and situations, they wanted everybody to be isolated and put into these digital spaces. When you have and are engaging through social media, you're writing a message. The message is going to the peer that you're sending it to, but it's also being parallel constructed and sent into a government agency and a government server. Most of them are in Utah. Or they are offshore, four or five miles out off of each coastline with giant fiber optic networks onto Google server ships. Because that gives them, uh, basically they don't have the jurisdiction in the United States once they're five miles offshore. So they're able to capture all of your information and spy on you illegally, or excuse me, they're able to legally spy on you because they are in international waters. But we're getting off on a tangent. How does this all play together? So if you remember, Elon Musk and SpaceX was directly tied in and got the contracts from Space Force. So at the same time, why would he buy Twitter? Why would he buy Twitter? And then why did he change Twitter to X? I don't know about that. But what's interesting is Twitter, he basically said Twitter was owned by the government. So if Twitter is owned by the government, wouldn't it be used to propagate to all of its citizens and people? And we saw this with the Hunter Biden laptop, how the FBI openly, knowingly now censored the laptop prior to the 2020 election, which a lot of people say would have swayed their vote had they voted for Joe Biden. Again, I had only met I've only met a handful of people that actually voted for Joe Biden. Personally, I don't think most people did. And then we see the 2000 mules and all that stuff. So most people are starting to understand how all of this stuff works, which is why there is more chaos coming into the forefront because it's meant to distract us, distract us, overwhelm us, and virtually lead to us to be compliant, to sit down and shut up and be overwhelmed. That's why we have to do the exact opposite and get involved and digest as much of this stuff as we can and stand up and contend against it. You listen to Non-Compliant America. We'll be right back. Me and my buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah, I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching us lagging. Me and my buddy, we working hard for this money. When I look around, I see how far we've come on this planet, in this world, and the average American citizen waking up from their slumber and embedding themselves into sports and different things and life activities. And now, granted, there are still people that are pretending that the world is not collapsing around us. But I'm also seeing a way more larger group of people that are receptive to the concepts and ideas that we're not in Kansas anymore. Because we're not, folks. We're not. We are in a war. We, believe it or not, we are in World War III right now. You're just not seeing it because it's not a typical symmetrical war. It's an evolved ecosystem that 
they found, and, and, and I, I guarantee you, the people pulling the strings have found if they divide us and create chaos through proxy groups, whether it's the ADL, the SPLC, the Hamas groups, the Jewish organizations, the Black Lives Matters, the Antifas, you know, the, the radical people on school boards and whatever, whether it's DAs, district, George Soros, district attorney DAs, which is a real thing. They are here in Oregon. <laughs> and don't you believe it? That's why you just like look at all this stuff. And you're like, why? Why would they do that? Why would somebody make that decision? Why, why, why would they create something that is only going to make things worse? Why would they roll out a new idea that could take things worse? For example, uh, Oregon has dropped all graduation standards, failing all of its students in the name of equity. So the public education system, uh, prior to the passage of Senate Bill 744 in the Oregon Legislative Assembly's 2021 session, the assessment of essential skills requirement for high school graduations was sensible, read a very comprehended variety of texts, written very clearly and apply mathematics in a variety of settings. That's what they were required to demonstrate the skills in order to graduate. Now they're stating that because of COVID-19, that SB744 required the state to review requirements for high school diploma options and address learning loss because of the pandemic. So now they're using the pandemic to state that it doesn't matter and it's it's not your guys' fault that you know the schools were closed down and everything else and that's why everybody's failing and that's why they're having all these educational systems. So the Oregon Education Association representing more than 40,000 teachers is trying to change standardized testings and stating that they're inaccurate, inequitable, and don't accurately measure students' learning and growth. And it, the union, which all, the unions are very evil and any teachers listening need to pull out of the unions immediately because the unions are the people running and calling the shots. The unions are the ones funding all of these horrific bills and people that they're putting into these positions. So they are trying to create equity in the name of dismantling, dismantling the education system. Now you don't need to have any type of skills in order to graduate. And we've seen an acceleration of that, but we've also seen an initial decline over the years. You know, for example, I've hired people fresh out of high school. I've hired people out of college. I hired a guy that graduated from Alamant University. And he was the most incompetent person that I've ever tried to train in my field. Like, I'm like, dude, you got a diploma. You got it. You have a degree from Alamant. And you, you would think that Willamette is a very prestigious school, but what kind of people are they producing, right? What kind of people are coming out of these colleges? They're broken. They're social justice warriors. Their entitlement says, hey, I have this diploma. 
therefore you owe me this. I have this diploma, therefore you guys got to pay me this much because that's what I was told. And it's like, well, no, that ain't happening. That ain't happening because you don't have any skills. That's why I believe in these days, it's better for kids not to go to college now. It's better to go directly into the trades or figure out whatever they want to do and just go start from the bottom. For example, you want to be a pilot? Just go work at an airport. Go work at a small airport and you can work your way up and work yourself through it and surround yourself with the environment that you want. That's the key. One of my dad's friends told me that when I was a kid, when I was 13. He said, no matter whatever you want to do, that's great. Yes, you might have an end goal if you want to be a commercial pilot, right? But what better to do than to go hang around a bunch of pilots, people that are around pilots, hang around airports, and surround yourself in that environment, get a job there, and see if it's something that you really want to do. One of the downfalls with college that I feel is these people have this prospectus of what they feel that they want to do or what they think they want to do. They want to go be this, then they want to go do that. They want to study rocks, right, for whatever. But if unless they actually go in the field and get the in-hand experience, maybe they don't like it. Maybe that's not what they want to do. Maybe it's not what they think it is. And, and we know in business and in reality, nothing is ever what it seems. And the best thing that you can do is always just get involved and get the personal in-hand experience rather than trying to read about experience in a book because you're not going to get the same uh, exposure. You're not going to get the same knowledge. You're not going to get the same wisdom. It's always better just to put a drill in your hand and try to drill something than to sit there and read about how this guy drilled this one thing and built this magnificent wooden house or box. Now, keep in mind, it's good to have directions and it's good to not just dive into everything right away. Most people can't do that. But you can incrementally ease yourself into things. And that's a perfect segue into the modern system, the modern war that we're in, because we are in a war. It's an information war. It's a war on the hearts and minds of people. And we see how people can get swayed and go along with an agenda and go along with the program and be completely misled, which ultimately can be a disaster in the end product. But let me tell you something that can be great to stick your toe in and to start getting involved. And that is becoming a PCP in your county. That's a prime example Rather than reading about all these things that are going on and all these things that are happening and these things that people are doing, it's better to show up for yourself to see how things are operating. You don't have to participate right away. But it's interesting to see how these decisions are being made and the things that people are doing in your name, on your behalf, within your county, within your city, within your state and the things that these people are doing and how the procedural operations go. You know, how is it that they are putting this road here? What's the process for that? You might not want that road there. It might be a beautiful field or, you know, a community garden is there and you got some developer that's trying to build. You know, there's all of these things, but the best thing that you can do right now more than ever is get informed 
Don't believe everything that you hear and get involved. And by doing that, becoming a PCP is the best thing and best choice that you can do as an active American Oregon resident. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Joshua Michael. I'm Noncompliant America. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.